This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Thank you so much. I invite you to take your Bibles with me now and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Thank you for being here this morning. For those of you who are watching online, thank you as well for taking the time to set aside time to watch the services today and give God this day in honor and glory for Him and what He's done in our lives. As Brother Pennington was sharing, is Brother Pennington still in here? I don't see. Brother Pennington was sharing a moment ago, I was there the day they dedicated the Chin Bible in Myanmar with the Bibles International team, and I did get to see the joy that was on the faces of those that day. We were, I was preaching a series of meetings just at the border of the Chin State because it's illegal for an American to get in that far. At that point, it was. And so about 75 pastors came out, and they left and went back with thousands of Bibles. And what a joy it was that day to see that. As our brother sang just a moment ago and shared with us in song, Brother Cavanis, and he spoke of the... The text of the song spoke about you may have served in lowly places. That's where missionaries get sent. Places where it's not the Upper East Side in New York City, so to speak. It's, it's kind of quiet places. I see Mike and Amy and Caleb. What's this right here? Oh, it's a beard. I thought, <laughs> okay. And I see Caleb, their son, Josh, and daughter-in-law, Sarah, are serving out in a tiny little place most people don't even know exist. If you weren't a member of this church, you might not know it exists. But those are the lowly places to which people go. Unless you think that that song was only about those who go, if you think that, you're sadly mistaken. Your labor at a job you might not like, bringing home income to pay the bills and to take care of your family and to give to missions. It's not the faces of Brother Cavanis. Not at all. I've always believed that the real heroes in missions are not those who go, but rather those who stay and send. And trust them. You say, well, no, the, the heroes, you can believe your way, and I can believe my way. And the fact is, is that were it not for you, there's not been a day of my life that has not been sustained by the sacrificial giving of God's people. From the moment I graduated Bible college until this very moment of some 35 years of ministry, my needs have always been met by the sacrifices of God's people. And I realize that every gallon of gas, every airline mile flown, all of the things through which I go to get the gospel to where it needs to be has been taken care of by people just like you. And so when I say to you that you're the heroes, that's what I believe. And I thank you. Thank you, Brother Cavanis, for reminding us of, us of that in song, a powerful song. And don't forget that God sees... I think about Matt and Nikki, who are, <laughs> again, in a lowly place. 
You say, well, where, why would they go? These missionaries don't go because they're running from the IRS. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, good. Still a little slow on the answer over there. They, they go because they know that's God's command. We've had a rich week this week. And I hope you found your place in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Did I tell you that yet? Apparently not. Mark Taylor just opened his Bible. It's in the New Testament. <laughs> I have to be nice, though. I'm going to the teen class afterward. So I get an upgrade from you, and I'm going with the teens. This week, we've learned there are four kinds of offerings that we practice in our churches. There's the offering for him. There's the offering for his house. There's the offering that is for a want or a need. And there's an offering that is a gift for others. The offering that's the gift for him is the tithe. God prescribes that amount. It's a 10% offering. You say, do you really believe that? Not only do I believe it, I do it. I highly recommend it. When Israel withheld the tithe from God, he said they were robbing. That's pretty significant if you think about it. Withholding the tithe from God was robbing for the children of Israel. That's a powerful message should send to us. We realize that the promised offering, the offering that we're referring to this morning, and if you're a guest here today, I want you to be aware, this is a special Sunday. You ever go to school and you got the substitute teacher? I'm the substitute. The real teacher's over there. He'll be back next week, maybe tonight if I mess up. But this, <laughs> this card is what we're turning in today. This card reflects what you see on the lighthouse. This lighthouse indicates how much we're promising collectively. This isn't just like one person making all of that commitment. There's a bunch of people in this room, including children, our teens, our seniors, our working families, that are taking these cards and they're filling them out in the model of the biblical offering we call the promised offering. This isn't something that we just, you know, went to get more money out of the churchmembers.com. But that would be a website to have, right? But we didn't do that. What we did was we went to the Word of God. We went to the Word of God to find out about the tithe. We went to the Word of God to find out about the gift for His house. We, found out, uh, we went to the Word of God to find out that there was a gift that were given for wants or needs. And then we went to the Word of God to find out there's a promised offering. I have comfort in that. Because if I relied on my memory to tell me why are we giving, I'd be in a mess. I rely on the Word of God. They did that, those churches did that, we do that. And in fact, of the 33 churches named in the New Testament, over 20 of them are involved. And in fact, when I started with you in Acts 11, the next night we went to Romans 15. And we talked about how in Romans chapter 15, that this promised offering that they were giving in was a, an offering that brought them delight, was an offering of debt, 
It was an offering of a duty. As well, it was an offering of discipline where they actually just carried out the task to say, this is what we're called to do. On Friday night in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I showed you that this offering, again, referring to the same offering back to Acts 11, this offering was a structured offering. It was an offering that was given on Sundays. It was an offering that was specified. It was an offering that was stored, set aside for them. It was an offering that they saw that God supplied. And it was an offering that was sincere. When we look at those principles all through those nights, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night, we get to this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I want to read to you a portion of God's word and then tell you just a few things. I'll start in verse 1 of chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. In that one verse alone, I realize when it says to wit, that is to, the we would say to know, when it says the grace of God, this is referring not to the theological event of salvation, but rather this is referring to the offering by just a different name. We saw it as the collection for the saints. We saw it as the collection for the dearth or the offering. We've seen it refer as the offering, and now we refer to it as a grace that God gave churches the ability to give. And when God gives churches the ability to give, He's giving church members that ability. All giving comes from God and all giving goes through the church. That's what I see in verse number one. You all are going to have to listen faster because we're never going to make it. Verse number one, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia was a region adjacent to where the city of Corinth was. Note verse two, how that in a great trial of affliction, so this gives you the context of how and the season of life where they were when they were giving, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. I always find that verse a bit of a tongue twister, but realize this, these were poor people going through a difficult time. They were so poor, it was called deep poverty. And on top of that, they had fun giving. That's amazing. You say, well, if they were poor, it couldn't have, they just said, well, we're poor, we can't do this one. But this is not an offering based on income like the tithe. This is an offering based on faith. A faith-based offering has no limit. A faith-based offering has no income tied to it. It's just simply tied to believing God that he would supply. Verse 3. Pastor was referring to this verse a moment ago. For to their power... That's their ability. I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would have received the gift. Remember verse 1? The grace. Notice what he says in verse 2. Their liberality. Notice what he says in verse number 4. The gift. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, he would also finish in you the same grace also. Now he's gone back and referred to the offering as a grace. 
7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything. So you can see the stretch of that to say that you're growing this abounding. As ye abound in everything. In faith. Well, certainly we should be growing in faith. And in utterance. That's our witness for Christ. And knowledge, what we learn of God, in all diligence, in our walk with God, and in your love to us. Now, notice how he talked about those character traits and disciplines within the Christian faith. And he said, I also want you to grow in your love to us. Now, why would he say that? Did you ever read the first letter he wrote? Might give you an indication while he was saying to them, I need you to grow in love. And Paul was... a gave a strong disciplinary letter in the first book of Corinthians, and now here in the second. He said, I want you to grow in your love to us, and then also notice in verse 8, because this is really where I'd like to start to begin this morning. I speak, verse 8, or, sorry, I didn't finish 7, and this is a bad habit. Let me finish 7. And see that ye abound in this grace also. Again, the offering referred to as a grace. Not grace in the sense of being nice to people. You should just be nice to people. This is the grace of the offering. To say, I want you to grow in that. That's critical to understand on a morning like this. Because we look at this card and we say, what did I give last year? Pastor talked about, I think you said mechanical is the word you use. But the idea of just saying, oh, that's just the other thing that we're going to do. The next thing that we do. This ought to be an intentional, deliberate conversation with God about what do we give. You say, well, we just find the next number up and we just do that one. Okay, we'll take it. But the point is, is he said, abound in this. Stretch in this. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Notice verse number nine. For you know the grace of... You know what? I skipped eight, didn't I? I speak. It's the teens. They've intimidated me. Yeah, right, Garrett. I'm with you. Verse seven, I read verse eight. I speak not by commandment, by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. The way he's going to refer to their participation in this offering is going to be central on one fact. That is, love produces giving. Giving comes from love. And he'll establish that. Look at verse 9. Did I finish 8? Yes. 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give I give herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you have begun before, not only to do, but to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Verse 12. For if there be first a willing mind it is accepted according to the man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, and their abundance may also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had little, nothing had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. 
Jump ahead to verse 24. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, thank you for the privilege to be here today. Thank you for the wonderful reminder that Brother Pennington gave us that we, we began the service by saying, take your Bibles. And yet there are many, many language groups that can never obey that, that request to take their Bible because they don't have it. Let us be used, God, to help get the world a copy of your word. Help us to be able to find people who will translate your word in a faithful, accurate, and trustworthy manner. Father, give us leadership and guidance this day. This is a really big day here. And you know that, and these folks know it, and Lord, I, I know it. It's, it's before me. So there's a lot of stuff I know you want me to say. And I want to say it. But help me to say it in such a way that your love is shown, the glory is yours, and the people respond, not to me, but to you. Amen. And Father, may we remember to give you the honor and glory for this, this service this morning. Bless those who will teach and preach in the next hour. And give them wisdom and guidance, I pray. Bless our deaf interpreter as she translates what I am trying to communicate today. Give her your Holy Spirit's power, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This promised offering, where we've seen it fit in the sequence or scope of the Word of God, we now are focused solely on the promised offering. This promised offering, they were collecting because of a what, Noah? Why were they giving? Starts with a D, ends with an earth. The dearth, exactly right. They were giving because there was this great famine that was going to take place. Caleb, just stay focused, buddy. I'm coming. <laughs> they were to give by a promise to meet the needs of those going through a famine. This was a prophecy. So they had knowledge in advance of what it was going to be. This was not only at, for the church at Antioch of, of Pisidia. This was, a, this was absolutely a movement all across the churches to say, hey, we got the gospel from Jerusalem. They're in need. Let's help. And more than 20 churches are replying to this offering. And 2 Corinthians 8 is this just massive expansion of understanding this promised offering. But when we get to verse number 8, we begin to see Paul's focus on four principles that the promised offering demonstrates. So what does the promised offering demonstrate? Number one, the promised offering demonstrates the sincerity of your love. I see the Kellys are here today, and we've all admired their little girls and how they've scurried about the place and they don't leave any trash. They, they'll come get your trash even before it's trash. They will come and get it. And their smiles and their faces and their joy. We've all witnessed that this week and it's been powerful. 
Kristen has love for her girls, and, and so does Brandon, I, but I'm going to talk about Kristen for a moment. Kristen has a love for her girls. She doesn't have to prove why she does it. She just loves them because they're her kids. No one questions the, genu the, uh, uh, the love of a genuine mother. I'm not talking about someone who gave birth and, and uh, cares little for their child. I'm talking about a genuine mother. And so as I think about Kristen and I think about her girls, there's no question she genuinely loves her girls. It shows. When we give, it shows the sincerity of our love. Not as a mother, per se, but as a child of God. Why would we give in such an offering? Why would we take a card and give this way? Well, we would do that because we genuinely love God. You say, well, that might be good for you, and it might be good for some of those missionaries in here, but I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I'm not talking about the stuff in your life. I mean, if you want to talk about stuff, these were poor people going through a great trial of affliction, and yet they showed abundance of joy in their deep poverty. They had liberality. So take that and figure it out. We don't let the context determine our faith. We don't let the context determine our participation. What determines our participation? The sincerity of our love. You say, well, now you've gotten to guilt and shame. Guilt says you did something wrong. Shame says you are wrong. So is it really truly guilt? Is it really truly shame? Maybe this card provokes anger. Maybe this card provokes fear. Whatever it provokes for you, Realize that none of those are essential. Here's what's essential. I love God. If you give because you have shame or guilt, that's on you. If you give out of fear, that's your deal. If you give out of anger, that's on you. Paul said the promised offering was to prove the sincerity of our love. So you say, well, Brother O'Malley, are you saying that this card, what I put on this card, is a direct, rela directly relates to my love for God? Yes. Absolutely. So if I don't fill out a card, what does that say? That's your answer, not mine. All I can say is, Scripture states the promised offering demonstrates the sincerity of of our love. Here's the second thing you need to see this morning. The promised offering not only demonstrates the sincerity of my love, but in verse number 9, the promised offering demonstrates the sacrifice of my love. Look at verse number 9. Paul now uses the demonstration of Christ giving himself. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we've talked about the grace that is the offering. And now Paul references something with which all of them are familiar, the grace of Christ. What, did, what was Christ's gift to us? Verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's his status, though he was rich. Yet for your sakes he became poor, 
that ye through his poverty might be rich. The promised offering demonstrates the sacrifice of your love. If Christian's girls are crying in the night, Brandon's job is to wake Christian and say, go take care of the kids. Nobody said, there's not this business of, well, I, I got up three nights in a row, it's the next three nights are yours. We're doing this in shifts. No, what do you do? You just simply say, love sacrifices. When you have that card and you make your decision, what are you going to do? The promised offering demonstrates the sacrifice of your love. Where is the commitment in this? If you're just in a token response mode to say, I really liked Brother Cavanus. I liked his song. I'm going to give because of that. Well, what if Brother Cavanus washes out? Are you going to stop giving? What if Brother Pennington never makes it? Are you going to stop giving? No, I give because I love God. Dud missionaries come along. Dud church members come along. God is constant. So when I give in the promised offering, it demonstrates the sincerity of my love, and it also demonstrates the sacrifice of my love. What Christ did is what I do. We give. Love gives. You say, oh, love takes. I'm looking at this young face. How old are you? Are you married? <laughs> One day, yeah, good call. One day some girl may come along. Run. Just, just run. But one day something may happen inside and this switch goes off in your head and you get weird feelings in your stomach and you didn't have pizza the night before and all of a sudden you're just thinking about this girl and she's there in your life and the... Run! No, just you're thinking about her and this is starting to click in your head. And you might say something dumb. I love you. You're 13, you know nothing, kid. It's not that kind of love. This is where my eternal address changed because of Calvary. That kind of love. Promised offering demonstrates the sincerity of my love, the sacrifice of my love, and I want you to see this with me in verse 24. The promised offering demonstrates the sign of my love. Notice what he says in 24. Show ye to them. Who would be the them? Well, this would be the believers in Jerusalem. And before the churches, who would that be? The other 20 plus, and really, you could probably get that number to 24 or 25, if not all the named churches in the New Testament. Show ye to them, the believers at Jerusalem, and before the churches, who would that be? Those are the churches to which we made reference, the churches of Galatia, the churches of Macedonia, the churches of Achaia. What are we showing them? The proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. The promised offering demonstrates the sign of my love. My wife is here with me this morning, for which I'm 
just eternally grateful because we're not always together on a Sunday morning. We go to church, but separately. <laughs> we sit in different states. <laughs> but on my left ring finger is the ring that Kim gave to me. We've been married for 34 years. And Kim worked at a store, which some of you may remember, J.C. Penney. And she sold shoes. And she worked hard to pay her school bill in college and to buy me this ring. The ring is something that I wear to remind me of her love for me. And it's also a public declaration. Either he just liked that ring and put it on his ring finger, or maybe he's married. Well, the answer is yes, he's married. And I wear that. Is that mean? Does that mean that she loves me? Well, it's a sign that she loves me. It's a proof of someone that I didn't run from when she said, I love you, but she was the right one and I was old enough. <laughs> but she... <laughs> wow. What's your name? Brandon. Brandon. Brother. Brother. I, I, my soul, you guys have grown up. I didn't realize that was your tribe over here. Wow. And I see your hair and I see your dad's hair and I'm just... I think hair today gone tomorrow, I guess. I know none of that was in my notes. I know. This ring... Verse 24, this card, verse 24. Proof, sign, you could even use the word showcase. This showcases our love. Today, it's not about making you feel guilty. Just because you're an American and you've, our country has wealth. It's not what this is about. Because if we have to give you guilt this week, we're going to have to give you more next week. And that's a whole lot of guilt to carry when this world is filled with guilt already. It's not about shame to say, well, we're going to make you feel bad and you're going to give. Well, we're going to have to find more shame next week. And this world doesn't need more shame. It needs grace. This makes you afraid. It's not what it's about. If the emotional response of anger comes because of this card, remove all of those instinctual emotions and re their responses and just simply say, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. If ever I love thee, my Lord, my Christ, my Savior, it's now. Love is why we do this. When love motivates your giving, you're demonstrating what the promised offering is about. Would you stand with me? Dear Father, this morning I pray that you will help us to understand truly our role in the promised offering. And may we demonstrate what you ask us to demonstrate in this promised offering. 
May our offering today show you the sincerity of our love, the sacrifice of our love, and the sign of our love. With heads bowed and eyes closed, please none looking around. Maybe this morning is your moment to say, God, I've done this thing all wrong all the way along. I want to do this because of love. I urge you to start the conversation with God this morning. And just simply say, God, with all my heart, may my commitment today be solely based on love. May it show the sacrifice of my love, the sincerity of my love, and the sign or showcase of my love. The altar is open. I'm inviting you to come now. Come this morning and say, God, with all my heart, I want to show my love for you in this offering today. Would others come? There's so much that we have in our lives, but there's nothing more important than eternity. Would others come? So Brother O'Malley, I'm going to pray right where I am. That's fine. Just kneel right where you are. Just sit right where you are and say, Oh God, may this be the year that I gave solely because of love. Father, I thank you for these today, these who came, these who prayed, these who made decisions. God, may this be an act of love that's like Calvary. You were rich, you became poor, so we could be rich. May we who are wealthy because of the gospel become those who are willing to become poor for others to have the gospel. God, help us not to be selfish, but selfless. Amen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's Word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.